The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. You know, I, I kind of get excited every week when we sing, but singing about the resurrection, that just kind of steps up a level, doesn't it? I'm ready to go find some Easter eggs or something. No, that's got to be, I don't think that really has anything to do with it, but I, I am pretty pumped. That's, uh, that's pretty fun. We are going to start a new series today, and we are going to begin by reading in the book of Isaiah. So if, and I encourage you, if you can, follow along, if you want to find that on your phone or in your Bible or whatever, whatever device you have, uh, we're going to read a little bit there in Isaiah in a couple minutes. But um, Going to talk novel idea for our fall series. I thought we'd talk a little bit here about God. Yeah, just I, you know, sometimes I just get a brainstorm. Hey, church, why don't we talk about God? This this would be this would be a good thing. You know, they they say that over ninety percent of Americans claim to believe in God. Okay, if you on the little surveys they take, in fact, I believe it's like ninety four percent claim to believe in God. But the question then comes, what is it that we believe about God? Because obviously there seems to be a variety as far as that goes. So we're going to take a little look into just studying our God. And in particular, we are going to focus on the attributes of God that are unique to Him. I'm calling this the uh, series Hands Off because these are things that we got to let God be God in this area. We'll see there are some ways in which uh, we are, to, and we just sang about it, we are to, God is producing these things in me. God is changing me. There are some ways that I'm growing. He is calling me to be like Him. There are some ways that God is inviting me uh, to grow to be more like him and there's some ways where God is actually saying no no this is a hands off this is God and God alone as we look at that I'm excited I think it'll be incredibly practical for us and we'll see the beginning of that today as we go and just the passage that we read today is is worth just taking some time and and focusing on God for a couple minutes Uh, on the screen I have Mark verses 12 and 13 but we're actually going to read a little bit beyond that there's a couple of rhetorical questions here that I want to call your attention to first one in verse number 12 says who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance who has done these things I think the question is obviously it is God it is only God who can measure all things. What is it that God measures? All things. The second question begins in verse number 13. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales behold he takes up the coastlands like a fine dust Lebanon would not suffice for fuel nor are its beasts enough for burnt offering all the nations are nothing before him they are counted by him as less than nothing in emptiness to whom will you liken God or what likeness can compare with him so the first question is basically um, who um, 
I forgot what the first question is. It'd be good to, to start off knowing what the first question is. But the first question is, what does God measure? The second question is basically, who is it that measures God? What does God measure everything? Who is it that measures God? And the answer then is no one. And we're going to explore four different things just as, as we look at this whole idea of God being infinite or God being beyond measure. And the first statement that I want to call your attention to is that there are some things which we do and God also does. We measure and so also does God. Do we measure things? Yes, we do. You can just go home and go to your refrigerator and pull out any item and you will find a list, a measurement of everything. I thought to illustrate this, I'd go to the refrigerator here. I found this is leftover, I think, from the picnic a couple weeks ago. Uh, but uh, I was just going to bring it up full, but then I got tempted and I drank it. <laughs> so, so it's empty. It's a little safer like that. Kind of dented up. But I got reading here, you know, everything that is measured on here. And uh, it, this, this contains, by the way, pure filtered water. That's got to be good for you, don't you think? And high fructose corn syrup, which I'm sure is very good for you. Lemon juice from concentrate, uh, less than 0.5% of natural flavors. Citric acid. It has modified cornstarch. I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, it's been modified. But I was reading through, actually, I'm about halfway through the list and thought, why in the world am I drinking this? I don't know. I mean, everything is measured. You go into McDonald's and you have the calories. Now, um, I guess that's required, but you got to think, people that are going to McDonald's don't really care about the calories. <laughs> would, you, would you agree with me? I walk in there, I don't think, you know what, I'm getting the, I'm getting the, uh, the uh, little cheeseburger because, <laughs> because it has only... 7,000 calories instead of 8,000 calories. That's where I'm going. But, uh, what, you know, what else is measured? Our steps are measured. Um, I was, I, we had different people. Uh, when Hannah worked here, she was always standing marching while she was doing work, getting her steps in. I thought that was really weird. But, uh, but, and I thought, you know, I wonder if my phone has that app to check how many steps. And I looked up, up and actually I found out just this week that not only does it have the app, but all my steps have been measured the whole time I've had this phone. I did not know that. It also, I have that GPS thing on, so it knows everywhere I've been and how many steps I've taken. It's really kind of creepy. Uh, but I was having a good time going back and saying, hey, on that day, I walked four miles. On that day, I walked one mile. And, uh, you know, having a good time going back and, and measuring my steps. We pretty much like to measure everything. We measure our time. I mean, you want to know how long is this movie going to last? How long is this sermon going to last? Okay. But uh, you're, you're wondering, you know, hey, how, how long, how much do I have to go? We like to have a measure of things. We like to measure our friends. I remember when I first got on Facebook how excited I was when I hit 100 friends. Yes. I have 100 friends. And then I saw, you know, the next person had like 1,400 friends. <laughs> I really need some help there as far as I'm not as popular as I thought I was. But we do. We measure pretty much everything. Well, there are some things the Bible says that God measures, too. Uh, the Bible says he measures the stars. We'll get into the immenseness of that, how incredible that is. He measures the oceans. Uh, the measurements that he gives for the construction of the ark or the building of the temple are so exact and so precise. God is into measuring these things. The scripture says that he measures the grains of sand. Contemplate that one for a minute, how overwhelming that is to think about that. And yet the Bible also says that he measures our sins. Now, that's kind of the bad news. But if we want to look on to the good news, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count sin. Now, the law came uh, in to increase the trespass that will recognize that. But where sin increased, grace abounded more. So we can say, yes, indeed, God knows the count of our sins, but grace exceeds the count of our sins. So that's kind of cool to think about there. So 
God, there are some things that both we measure and God measures. There are some things that we could say we are and God isn't, and that is measured. We have ways to measure our smarts. We have, you know, intelligence tests. Uh, we can figure out our IQ, IQ and, and IQ. <laughs> you can see how well, I did on those things. But um, we, have, we have ways, and there's formulas for figuring out your, uh, your net worth. Okay, I don't know if you've ever figured out your net worth. I actually did. I followed a formula. And you are one lucky woman, i got to tell you. Uh, <laughs> and she rolls her eyes. Um, we, we, have, we, you know, we measure our morals. We measure our looks. Uh, my, my mother-in-law, every time you have a birthday, she has a calendar somewhere with everybody's height and weight when they were born. So every time you get a birthday card written on there is your height and your weight. It's measure, it's, yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's kind of cool that she keeps track of that. Uh, you, can, you can remember every birthday how much you, you weighed and, and how tall you were uh, because we definitely are measured. However, as we said our God is not measured. He is limitless. And we have a hard time with this sometimes. We want to be able to measure something. There is a certain control. There is a comfort. There is a, uh, okay, uh, there is just kind of a, you know, I can relax in this a little bit. This is uh, reassuring when I can measure something. Um, I should uh, confess, and this is a terrible thing to say uh, from somebody that lives in Indiana, and I've lived in Indiana now for 37 years, but I have never watched the movie Hoosiers. Yeah, can you believe it? I know. I, I don't. I don't know what it is, and I don't know they ever will. It's not really on my bucket list. But uh, you know, some someday we may. Someday uh, we won't. But um, so I had to read about this little story. But apparently, there's a scene in the movie Hoosiers. If you're not familiar, you know this little small town goes and wins the state championship. Well, when Gene Hackman's the coach in there, right? When Gene Hackman first gets to the big arena where they're going to play the championship, the first thing he does with his team is he goes in and he measures the court. And he says, I'm pretty sure that's the exact same size as the court back uh, that we played in in the little barn, you know, where they played back, up, back home. And uh, but because there's something reassuring, there's something, something comforting about being able to know the end of something. And we do not have that with God. For with our God, He is limitless. And sometimes it is hard to accept a God who is beyond measure. And most definitely He is. Great is the Lord and greatly to praise. And His greatness is unsearchable. But will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built, Solomon said, I built you this temple, but it cannot contain you. You are beyond measure. So there are some things that both we and God measure, but when it comes to being measured, we are most definitely measured. He is immeasurable. He is limitless. And there are some points to which we will struggle with that. I think we can see this as we go on. The third thing to realize uh, that there are some things that God is and we can be. And we actually, let me go ahead and put this list that uh, is also in, in your bulletin there. There are some characteristics of God. Again, that uh, the Bible uses this phrase, that Christ be formed in you. And as we grow in him, as we learn to trust him, he is maturing us. Last week we looked at the fruit of the spirit. We talked about whole, the whole idea that when we receive his spirit, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, his spirit lives inside of us and he gives us a new set of desires. And we desire to grow in these areas. I saw there's a little survey on the website that uh, would you rather have the wisdom of Solomon or the strength of uh, Samson? <laughs> this probably is the best answer. I put down strength. I don't know. I just thought, hey, that'd be cool. But... Uh, 
And besides, I already have all the wisdom, right? That's what you were thinking. But uh, the, anyway, anyway, you know, you look at these things, and these things are actually obtainable, you know, in that we will grow in these areas. We are going to mature in this. You know, we talked about, again, last week from Galatians, we were looking at this desire that God puts in us. I had an opportunity this week to talk to a young man that, that said, uh, he said, I, I, I keep making decisions for Christ and I keep moving and I've made this decision I'm going to change this I'm going to do this I'm going to improve I'm going to do better and he said and I keep messing up I'm really struggling with uh, with that I said hey you I needed you last week that just to illustrate the point of the sermon Uh, but the idea is God has given you this desire God has given you this desire for these things, and these are not bad things to the desire that we would have these things growing in our life because His Spirit, the Spirit of a living God, is inside us. Uh, somebody once said, the resurrecting King is resurrecting me. Are you with me? We just sang that over and over again. Uh, but uh, we get that idea that this Spirit is alive in us and growing in us, and we kind of capture this. Uh, these are good things that we can, if you want to say, we can aspi- aspire to, aspire to. But there are some things that God is and we want to be. And actually, we could say this, we really should not want to be. And to post this list, which is also in your bulletin there, I want you to kind of compare for a second or think about the previous list with, you know, love and, and uh, uh, holiness and things that we can aspire to and things uh, to which God really are, has limited to himself and I want us to realize, just, just think for a moment, which do I plot for, plan for to achieve? In other words, do I think more of what, you know, how I'd like to have more power, or do I think more of how I'd like to have a limitless love? And I think in a lot of cases with man, what we are after most is these things, more than we are the other things. I mean, this is what we would really like to have. We were created to bear his image, But we are not to aspire in this sense to be like him or in these ways. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 for a second. Uh, That is the story of Eve in the garden and the serpent coming to her and tempting her. And we always have this vision. Well, I know what he did. He showed her this big red juicy shiny apple it's Michigan it's it's uh, apple season we got this perfect shiny apple man and you just can't resist it and we kind of have that idea first of all by the way do you know we have no idea it was an apple oh uh, it's just that, that's the vision and we kind of think oh man that must have been so tempting because it tasted good it was f- sweet and refreshing maybe it was a honey crisp apple I don't know actually I like the tart ones myself those little green apples uh, going to an apple pie but you know man it must have been so delicious how could anybody ever resist an a- apple like that the truth of the matter is the temptation was not in the piece of fruit. The temptation was in what the, the uh, tempter said. He said, when you eat this, you will be like God. Able to know the difference between good and evil. That is the temptation. And that is the temptation that continues to come to us, that we would aspire uh, to this list here, that I could be like God. The first three commandments of uh, you know, the Ten Commandments that we find in Exodus chapter 20 tell us that, uh, that basically says God will have no rivals, okay? Don't make any graven images. <laughs> the Lord God, He is the one that is to be first. He will have no rivals. But we often rival God in that we aspire to be like Him in these ways. And we're going to have a need. 
you know, today we talk about his infiniteness as kind of a uh, introduction. The last week we'll kind of summarize things with sovereign, but in between it'll be a pretty cool look at each one of these things and how sometimes, you know, we want to be like this, but then how amazing it is that God is like this and what it can mean to us really in our everyday lives when we let God be God in those areas. And, and, and we'll take a look at that. Now, there are many times when <laughs> I could say this, and I have said this from the pulpit, I'll say I have, I'm struggling with God. And I want to say that as a confession. I struggle with God. Now, not a confession like, oh, I wish, uh, you know, I, I, I drink too much Pepsi when I plan on going out and having a Pepsi afterwards, you know, or, or something like that. Not some goofy uh, confession or I haven't watched the movie Hoosiers or something like that. When I, when I say confession, I mean this very sincerely, that this is something that I want to confess and I want to ask God to, to grow me in my trust for Him because there are places, and, and I've said this again, I, I've stood here and I've said, I struggle with God. I'm struggling right now with God. It's real, but it ain't right. Okay? But it, but, it is, but it is very real. Some of you know, it's sad how few of you would probably still remember, but when my wife and I came here to church, there was a little couple that, uh, they were in their 90s, sweet, sweet little couple that uh, just, er, er, you, you couldn't help but love them. They jumped into everything. We had trunk or treat. They'd dress up and come, and, but uh, some of you know Lou and Betty Woods. Um, I guess it was about four years ago now, I think that Lou passed away. And Betty is down in a nursing home down south of South Bend, down on Miami, down there, uh, Southmore. And uh, I go down and see Betty about once a month. I am not exaggerating. Every time that I've gone to see her since Lewis passed away, she says, Pastor, why am I here? <laughs> what am I doing here? And, you know, and I, I try to come up with you know, some type of intelligent pastoral answer a lot of times. Uh, and then sometimes I say, well, Betty, hey, the good news is no, no matter when you get to heaven, you're still going to have just as long because it's eternity. And she still looks at me like, yeah, but why am I here? <laughs> and the last few times uh, that I've been there, I have not even been able to get her to wake up. You know, she's been sleeping, and one time I got the nurse, and they couldn't wake her up. And this last, uh, I guess two days ago, Friday, um, I saw I saw Dwayne, saw your dad, and Dwayne has done a super job as far as just keeping a, a good spirit and an attitude and and, uh, and trying, and he's usually a great encouragement to me. When I walked in on Friday morning, you know, I said, hey, I want to go get you lunch, and he was like, ah, no. And, uh, you know, I could just kind of tell it wasn't quite the same, and we went downstairs and sat at the lunchroom with everybody else, and he said, uh, Looked around, he said, oh, all these people here are just waiting to die. <laughs> I thought, like that. I have uh, a man who was my pastor for a couple of decades, uh, is in a nursing home in South Bend. I stop and see him when I go down and see Betty, but he has lost, he's had some type of an emotional breakdown. It's like I'm not even visiting the same man. It's pretty tough uh, to, to talk to him and uh, to visit him. And then yesterday afternoon, my sister-in-law sent me a video of my brother um, that uh, was... It was his kind of farewell video. It was to me and my sister, and he managed to get the words out, I love you, and, and uh, we don't really know how long he has left. And I think to myself, okay, God, all these people have, you know, sought to, you know, I, I know none were perfect, but I, I mean, but all of them sought to follow you. Lord, why does this have to be so hard on them now? I mean, why is death so nasty? Why is this pathway so ugly? And, you know, and I, I, it's just, like I said, I struggle with that. But I am not saying that, even though I think that is a normal emotion, 
That is the type of thing that I'm praying for and asking God to, uh, in me, if it means break me, whatever it means, to give me a, a trust and a faith in Him to believe or just to allow Him to be God. And I think as we go through these characteristics, as we see this incredible, infinite God, uh, that's what I'm asking God to do in my life, is to grow me, to grow me in my trust for Him, and therefore in my obedience to Him, and therefore in my worship of Him, and therefore in my bringing glory to Him, because I am trusting Him through that. So I, I say, when I say I confess that I often struggle with God, I mean I confess that I often struggle with God because He's God, and I'm not. Okay, I'm being real, but I ain't being real good. And I wanted to give you a few things um, before we close here with that are just kind of, if you want to say a few takeaways uh, to move forward with this. God is immeasurable. God is infinite. So what? Well, one of the things that I want you to do is just remember these two words. Only human. One of the great privileges that I, I've mentioned that I, I feel like I have as your pastor is I get to study a lot more. And through most of my life, and this is a statement of my own character, but uh, I've kind of just stayed ahead of the group I was teaching. So in other words, if I, I would study to this level so I could teach at this level. And I feel like being here, I've had to up my game as far as study and, and reach in a little bit more and, and, uh, and really kind of dig into God and his truths and things like that. You say, well, then you must really feel like you have a grasp on things. Uh, honestly, here's what happens. The better we know God, the more we see how incredible He is beyond our imagination. And that is really the type of thing that I am learning more and more. You know, so here I am questioning this God who is so far above me in all things. And yet, I want to question Him, and I want to struggle with Him, and I want to tell Him how He ought to be doing His job sometimes. So just to remember that for me, I'm only human. And just as a side for that for a second, if we could also apply those two words to other people, just remembering that they too are only human. You know how we have this tendency, we meet somebody and they're the greatest person in the world until we get to know them and then they're not so hot. Or we get a new job and it's the greatest job in the world until we get to know the people there and then it's not so hot. Or we get a new church and the church is the greatest thing in the world until we get to know everybody there and then, it, then it's not, not so hot. Or you get a new pet. Anyway, we won't get into that. But, uh, you know, but, but sadly that gets you know, into other other relationships of life and even into marriages and things like that because a lot of times we uh, we forget to remember that we are all clothed in this clothed in this flesh that we are all only human if we can remember that a second thing that I want you to think about is that there's most definitely one rival that you do not want to have now I really do try I don't know how well I do, but I really do try not to use too many sports illustrations. I think sports way too much, so I try to make sure. I know not everybody does, but today is opening day of the NFL. Can I do a sports illustration? Just one. Give me one, okay? I'll try to behave myself after this. Uh, I, I, I was going to say worship. That's probably really sad. I follow a team uh, that uh, is, uh, is actually a good team. Uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are a good team. They have as many Super Bowl champions, uh, uh, championships as anybody. They're consistently a good team in the playoff picture and, and uh, everything like that. They're consistently good. However, for the last, I guess, 15 or 20 years, and all oh, this pains me to say this, but they, there's been another team around. Oh, this pains me to say this. 
they have this guy named Tom Brady and his coach named Bill Belichick, and they just beat the snot out of the Steelers all, all the time. Uh, last uh, Yesterday in the news, they beat the snot out of the Steelers, and today, tonight, there's a game, and they'll probably beat the snot out of the Steelers. Uh, hey, behave yourself in church, buddy. This isn't, you don't go raising your hands in garbage like that. Okay, uh, obviously a Patriot fan, but, uh, you know, we go through. But uh, a- anyway, the whole, and I thought, okay, you know, if there's one team, why did this other team have to be in our division at this time? And when the Steelers have a good quarterback, they have a better quarterback and all this stuff. That's the one team I really, 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 really don't want to have as a rival. Well, if I can kind of get you thinking that way for a second, is there, if there is one that you do not want as a rival, there's God. That, that is God. Tozier, um, a great uh, Christian thinker, said that he, he talked about a time when the finite reached up and plucked from the infinite, and he talked about just the chaos that began because of that. You know, talking about that scene in the garden, but he said that which is finite reached up and plucked from the infinite, uh, tried to take that which is not his, and he said in doing so became a rival of God. And when in our lives we are seeking to be as God, to take these qualities that are to belong only to God, what we are doing is we are becoming his rival. We are stepping into that place, and we do not want to live. That is a place of misery to be in rivalry with the Almighty God. We want to instead to be in a place where we're saying, Lord, teach us uh, to fear you. May our limits help to teach us to fear you, to worship you, to trust you, to obey you. And then one third thought I wanted to give you, just kind of, came across as I was just looking up different verses about counting and measuring. I thought there's one type of measuring that we do want to have part of our lives. The Apostle Paul wrote, but whatever I count, uh, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. And this is definitely the type of counting and counting and valuing what is important. Early in the week when I, my wife asked what I was preaching on, I, I said about God being infinite, and she said, well, are you going to show a video of, uh, uh, some of you might be familiar, there's a pre- preacher by the name of Louis Giglio who does some really awesome stuff about uh, uh, just the how incredibly big God is. And I said, no, I've done that before, and, and I wasn't planning on doing that. I sat home yesterday afternoon and just uh, decided, oh, I'll touch the button here for a second and, and, uh, and look at one of those. And uh, I said, you know what? <laughs> I needed to see this again. And uh, actually, this is one I don't think I have shown in church here. It's, it's about 10 years old. But I want to show you a few minutes of just looking at the incredible, the incredible limitlessness, if we can describe it like that, of our almighty God. But we are here tonight to worship. This is an amazing thought. A God who is indescribable. You say, well, how do you know that? All you have to do is walk outside on a dark night and look up into the sky. And you will know when you look up that this God we're worshiping tonight is beyond our wildest dream. The scripture says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The starry host by the breath of his mouth. 
We live in a little subdivision in the universe called the Milky Way Galaxy. In case you didn't know, that's where you live. Some of you are thinking you live in Shady Grove. No, you're living in the Milky Way Galaxy. That's your subdivision in the universe, a very big universe that we have to use something called a light year to get around in. You say, well, what's a light year? Well, that's how fast light travels in one year. And we know it's flying 186,000 miles a second. So if light goes 186,000 miles a second for a whole year, it goes 5.88 trillion miles in a year. And that's the measurement or one of the main measurements we use to get around in the universe that God has created. That's how big it is. The foot, not going to help you in God's universe. The yard of no value to you whatsoever in God's universe. The mile, insignificant. The kilometer, Matt, uh, not going to help you uh, getting around in God's universe. We have to use a ruler that is 5.88 trillion miles long to measure things in God's universe. And our home subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy, just came into being. It it consists of billions of stars, just our subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy. Not hundreds, not millions, not hundreds of millions, billions of stars in our home subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy. And scientists say that there are hundreds of billions of other subdivisions and galaxies in the known universe. This shot is where we live. It's a little snapshot of the Milky Way galaxy. If you zoom into this star-forming region, see something pretty amazing. This particular shot is a close-up of a star-forming region in our subdivision taken by a friend of ours named Dr. David Block, who's an astronomer down at Witts University in Johannesburg, South Africa. And we were down there a few months ago, and he was telling us that if we were to count the billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, one star per second... So if we just started with any one of these, I don't know which one you want to pick. Um, let's just start with this one right here. And we, because I can reach it. And we start one, two, three, four, five. That looks like one, but I'm close enough to see it's two that are close together. Seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Let's go back over here. 12. You're like, oh, please don't count them all. If we counted all the stars in our subdivision, one per second, it would take 2,500 years just to count the stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And God says about himself, you, you, you want to know how the universe is telling us that God is big? Through the prophet Isaiah, he says, to whom will you compare me? And who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes to the heavens. Who created all of these. And then he answers for himself. The one who leads forth the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his mighty strength and great power. Not one of them is missing. If you want to get a glimpse of it, here's a composite shot of our subdivision. The Milky Way galaxy is taken by combining hundreds of thousands of photographs. Obviously, we haven't managed to get outside of the Milky Way galaxy to take a picture of it, but um, NASA folks are pretty sure that's what it looks like. It has a a barred nucleus. It's a barred spiral galaxy. And you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 100,000 light years across. So if you want to go visit your neighbors on the other side of the subdivision, you just have to go 186,000 miles a second for 100,000 years, and boom, you're at their house. Um, (laughs) 
in our little neighborhood home called the Milky Way Galaxy. You say, well, where are we? I'm, I'm looking for us on there. You know, we, we got to be right in the center, obviously. I'm sure we're right in that, right there in that middle. No, we, believe it or not, we're not even in the center of our own subdivision, okay? So affirming again tonight, it's not about you and it's not about me. We don't even live in the center of our own subdivision and you don't want to live in the center of the subdivision because it's scary in the center of the subdivision. We, you say, well, where do we live? Well, we live way out between a couple of the spiral arms. You don't want to live in there either because that's dangerous territory inside the bands. We live in that little clear zone between a couple of the bands, about two-thirds of the way out. We're living somewhere about there. <laughs> and you're, you're like, well, I don't, I don't see me. <laughs> no. Because we couldn't put a mark on the diagram that you could see that would be the right relative size to our solar system. You know, that's our little cul-de-sac in the subdivision that we couldn't even put our solar system on here in relative size to the Milky Way galaxy for you to see. It's that small inside the Milky Way galaxy. Scientists say our solar system is the size of a quarter and the Milky Way galaxy is the size of the North American continent. So our whole solar system is a quarter and the size of an area as big as the North American continent. We're not that consequential in our own subdivision called the Milky Way galaxy. And somewhere in there is a star, one of these billions of stars. It's not the biggest, the baddest, the brightest. It's just one of the stars of the billions of stars we call it the sun and around it tonight are orbiting these balls, one of which is called earth. It's our home. That's you and me. No, I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm trying to help you see that you are small. but it's significant insignificance. Because as tiny as we are, we are known and prized by majesty who sent for us and loves us and knows us even though we are teeny tiny little bitty people on a little bitty speck floating through the vast cosmos that he has made. Just like he could name every star as he called them into being. I am. Uh... When I watched that yesterday, I was just kind of watching through. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he got to the end there, and he was talking about that significant insignificance. I want to let you know you are small, but as tiny as you are, the God of the universe sent his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible just to be, just to be overwhelmed with a little bit? I'm really praying that as we go through this series that, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm kind of starting, well, I'm not kind of starting, I'm starting with myself. I want, to, I want to just pray that the more I know him, the more I see him in his greatness, in his awesomeness, in his limitlessness, and everything like that, the more I will grow in my trust. Because when we trust him, he is glorified. When we trust him, he is obeyed. And we'll see, we'll see that come out of that. So I hope that you'll pray that along with me. Let's, let us pray right now. Father, um, there are no words that can adequately describe your greatness. <laughs> there is nothing that our finite minds, our finite vocabularies 
can do to adequately describe how limitless you are. But Father, may we bow before our infinite, limitless God today. May our hearts bow before you. And Lord, may we just continue, Lord. Lord, as we grow in our knowledge about you, will we grow, Lord, in our knowledge of you personally? And Father, may that knowledge uh, be something that you use to transform us as we, uh, as we give up this rivalry with you. But we surrender and we let you be God in our lives. Would you, would you take this, this time and, the, and this series and this study and your word and will your spirit mightily change us through it? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, cbcedwardsburg.com. You may also contact the church via email, info at cbcedwardsburg.com, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.